Hello, and welcome back to Leviathan News. It is our second interview today. We got a double header today, and we have Rock Cop from EtherFi. He's the Chief Revenue Officer. He's here to come and talk about the evolution of solo staking and EtherFi's introduction into the world of liquid restaking. So welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to chat today. So I was listening to a stream that you guys were doing, or his Twitter spaces this morning, uh, talking about uh, the introduction of staking through Polygon ZK EVM that's upcoming. Uh, but it was interesting to hear that you guys started out as a, a hedge fund uh, that was into staking ETH and then like ran into some issues of just like, well, how do we do this? Where do we do it? Like, what are the options here? And didn't really find anything reasonable that met the expectations of your fund and then went out and developed EtherFi as a product. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those examples, I guess, of, uh, you know, creating a, a product uh, to solution kind of what you're doing or, or what you're doing. And so uh, Mike and I both come from the Mike, who's, who's the uh, co-founder, um, my co-founder, uh, we both come from the Web2 world. And so we built product and built software before um, Mike's last company found called Top Hat. Uh, you know, we, we kind of ran. Um, ran things up there and, and kind of built it up. Uh, so we we rejoined forces in crypto and, and you know, we're focusing on DeFi specifically because we just thought it was going to have such a big impact on, on the world or has the potential to have such a big impact. I think there's still a lot of work to be done. But uh, the one of the things that our investors kind of were requesting is saying, hey, we're, you know, we're very bullish on like kind of want this like index fund, so to speak, type of a thing. And so uh, we think Ethereum like you know, as far as DeFi goes, like Ethereum's kind of king and, and just holding there is a pretty safe investment. Uh, so just like hold and stake. And, and it was, uh, we got a lot of demand from that. So we initially were going to go with Lido and then, um, you know, cause just kind of they were there. And, and then we started to do our due diligence and we we're like, holy cow, like this thing has so much risk like uh, associated with it. And I think one of the unique things in crypto is that like narratives are so important and once you get a good narrative going or like social proof going, um, people just kind of start to pile on, right? Like we, we saw it with FTX. I think that's probably the, the biggest example. Uh, another one's, uh, you know, um, just six months earlier was Luna. So like these, these things kind of build up and um, uh, you get to, you know, protocols that maybe are not built the correct way and then they can just unravel extremely quickly. So we still think there's a there's a couple ticking time bombs out there with Lido. Um, I, I really hope they don't um, trigger uh, because I don't think it's good for the ecosystem in general. But yeah, that's can that's you, exactly. Could you go more? In, could you go more into that? I mean, I don't I don't mean to stop you here, but like, uh, like what exactly when you were doing your due diligence did you guys come across? What were some of the issues that really prevented you from deploying capital in Lido? And if not Lido, then why not one of the other major incumbents in the LSD ecosystem, either uh, Rockapool or Fraxeth? Yeah, um, great question. So I, I'll start with Lido and then I'll go to, to why we didn't do um, the other two. Uh, but so with Lido, there's 32 node operators that run all the stake um, on, on Lido uh, and they hold all the withdrawal keys. So uh, when you think about that, um, you know, if one set of those keys are compromised or something happens to one of them, um, because of the pooling system, all of a sudden, like when people start to exit, there's going to be liquidity crunch. And then all of a sudden you'll, you'll get this like run on the bank scenario. 
uh, that basically is going to happen. Um, so Wait, it's, it's you, a lot you, of. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Like I'm, I'm not understanding that uh, when you when you describe that. Yeah. Okay. So so node operate. Basically, there's there's two sets of keys that are required. Um, the transition from proof of work to proof of stake for the Ethereum blockchain mm-hmm. has made staking more interesting than, than staking or more difficult and complicated than staking on any other proof of stake blockchain. Uh, and so when Lido was built, uh, there was no withdrawal mechanism, right? Like Ethereum said, hey, we're going to switch to proof of stake, but they didn't really know like what it was going to look like. They took mm-hmm. their best guess. And, and Lido's done amazing things for the space, right? Like they've made a liquid staking a reality and they've built this, this huge thing. So like props to Lido for what they did. I think you could ask anyone on the Lido team, they would not build it the way that they did now if they knew how withdrawals were going to work, right? So like, um, but when they built it and, and it's, it, you know, it's at the point where it's too big to actually go back and, and rebuild the thing um, at this point. So, but when they built it, the, the withdrawal keys are held by, the node operators. And so the the node operators are the people who run these 32 ETH stakes. Uh, there are um, 32 of them. Uh, those are 32 node operators who run these in, in nodes. And they've put a cap on them of, you know, I don't know, eight, 10,000 validators. The cap goes up, um, you know, a bit, but th- they can only run a certain amount of validators. The thing though, is that those node operators hold all the keys. Um, and so, the, when you think about the number of people that are in those companies um, in, in the amount of like key interaction, I guess, that, that has, they, they have all the power, right? So it's like you as the staker just going into this protocol and you kind of give up your, your keys, you give up custody, you get the token of Steve. And then there's trust that you can take that Steve and, and um, redeem it one-to-one, right? Mm-hmm. So that happens and, and everything is good until the system goes bad. How the system goes bad with the pooling system um, is just compromisation of any little part through the withdrawals. So for instance, like just one example I'll use is one of the withdrawal keys is compromised by an employee at one of these companies who gets them and then holds them hostage, right? Like holds the protocol hostage. Say, hey, I got 10 keys that I'm, I'm holding, 1,000 keys, whatever it is, right? Like that I'm holding here um, and uh, I'm not going to give them until you give me some ransom or I'm not going to let people withdraw this starts to go contagion spreads and now you get a like clogged withdrawal queue uh people can't get out um and then you know i think fear just sets in and the bake room kind of kind of happens so that's like one example of, of something that could happen well i mean even if the even if the steve token trades at a discount i mean you'll still get your eth back at some point it's just you have to wait for the withdrawal queue i mean we saw this earlier uh, before the merge happened when the price of steve went to like heck, 90, yeah. 95 yeah, uh, per, I think per... it even got down to ninety. It's crazy. It's great trade. Yeah, yeah, it went down quite a bit, but it didn't mean that it was insolvent, right? It just meant that there was liquidity issues, and that you know the 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 at the time there was no way to withdraw, but you know uh, now there is time to withdraw. I believe, but uh, you know, w- w- we we haven't really seen a rush to the exit for withdrawals yet. I know that right. uh, Lido does have a, a capital buffer that they use to allow for instant withdrawals, but once that's all. Uh, sucked up, then you have to essentially wait in queue. Right now, the, there is no queue. Uh, everything's been zeroed out, both for deposits and withdrawals. Uh, yep. But uh, that withdrawal stress test hasn't happened yet. I, I understand some of the criticisms around uh, Lido. I mean, it, it, it but it does uh, seem to like register well for institutional clients. I mean, they've been able to acquire uh, close to 33% of the uh, total LSD market. 
and uh, show no signs of stopping as well too. So maybe we can um, hop on to some of the other alternatives, uh, specifically Rocket Pool, which which does offer a, uh, a a more decentralized way that you can set up your uh, validators, uh, and so that uh, if you are a node operator. Uh, you can use their pools to uh, take ETH and, and run the nodes. So it, what were some of the issues with Rocket Pool? Uh, yeah, let me just comment really quick on, on the insolvency too, because mm -hmm. it's, insolvency is not the concern. I don't think it's it's just liquidity to, to have your ETH. Like right, I, right. I, I don't worry about like an FTX thing here. Like I think you're you're gonna get your, your ETH back, um, but if you can't get it for two years or whatever, you know, if there's some like regulatory exposure, you know, one of these node operators gets shut down by a government that's more like what we're saying to to try and like you know stay away from the whole bank run thing is another scenario that is but um so yeah the second point i guess uh, just to talk about rockpool i we love what rockpool is doing i think that it's amazing um the uh the biggest concern that we had was like the the ability to like scale it like and, and so like could they scale quick enough like with their bonding mechanisms mm -hmm. um it just takes more time to to get your validator like spun up um so I love what they do. I, I think they, they do things really, really well. And um, the community they've created is amazing. So I have nothing but, but great things to say about uh, Rockpool. Um, the, the honest answer is like, we're more product people than hedge fund people. Like, <laughs> so like we want to build like value instead of go fight for, you know, a couple extra pips, um, you know, try and, and make, you know, yeah, pretty sharp elbows to go try and like make a couple extra pips. And so like, uh, I think there's a lot of positive some stuff that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. We talked with, we, we just spoke with a consultant who helps uh, high net worth investors allocated uh, funds into like Bitcoin and other digital assets. And I, I thought it was really interesting what he said that uh, there are different levels of how you, or like there's different ways that you can allocate Bitcoin, right? So uh, you can go out and you can buy a, a, reg a regulated securities product in say like GBTC yep. or the Bitcoin ETF. Uh, you can use a third party custodian. If you want to to uh, deposit your Bitcoin with, or uh, you can self custody at home, and so I think the, I think the whole like when I look at the whole LSD debate, uh, it's 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 I view it in that lens, right? There's there's going to be trade offs at every single level uh, because staking is not enshrined at the at the consensus layer for Ethereum, right? It's not like Cosmos where it just is is built from the ground up to allow for the staking. And so there's always going to be trade-offs when it comes to these LSD designs. Um, I do think that totally. the uh, those questions about like what those trade-offs are is like what you want, right? You either, you're either prioritizing, um, I don't even know if it's a trilemma, but you're either prioritizing for liquidity or you're prioritizing for decentralization. And you can't really like choose one or the other, right? Because uh, something that's maximally decentralized is probably going to have worse liquidity always than something which is, you know, highly centralized. Um, and it's just, it's just the way the market works. Right. Uh, so there's 100%. always going to be trade-offs. There's always trade-offs, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I think that that's the, the reality too. And like, um, uh, you know, I think that people got to make their, their calls, like where they are. I think that one of the things for, for me personally, like, maintaining my own custody is important like a custodian doesn't make sense for me right like i would much rather self-custody but there's tons of my friends who are you know like I, I, that's too much work that's too much pressure to to self-custody like what if something goes wrong like i, I don't want that and so I, I think you're totally right on that um the other thing i i think to comment on is like on staking specifically like in the in the ecosystem that's there you know lido has 30 percent I, I, the self-limiting stuff, like, 
I think it's kind of crazy. Like it's, it's capitalism. And so I think the market needs to provide a better product, like, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're not going to provide an alternative, uh, that's better than like, you know, why do it? And, and, and there's just a lot of copycat things that is just, you know, going through and doing the same thing that Lido does, but like they've passed the Howie test. Like they've been there a, a long time. Like, they're going to continue to win unless you give the market a reason to leave them. And so it's actually why, why we think liquid restaking is going to be super, super uh, important and why we're the first um, token that you can liquid staking token that you can natively restake your ETH while maintaining uh, composability in DeFi. So just before we get into liquid restaking, um, when we talk about risks, I mean, we can recommend here at Leviathan News, the Prisma Risk team. Uh, which has done independent studies of all of these LSDs. Uh, we'll include the link here. It's hackmd.io at Prismarisk. And uh, they have extremely detailed write-ups uh, for uh, all the major LSDs. So if you have any questions about uh, Lido's setup, uh, questions about its uh, any of its risks, market risks, technological risks, counterparty risks, it's all here. And uh, these are probably the most in-depth and uh, well-researched uh, risk reports that you can find on LSDs in the entire crypto space. So uh, please check that out in the link below if you have any questions about that. Um, specifically to to get into what Rock was talking about when these questions of like counterparty or legal risk uh, come into play. So um, highly recommend those. Um, so but yeah, so here we have you can see all this stuff on the side, right? So uh, these Prisma risks they have market risks, technological risks. And inside of those, they have you can learn all about like the licenses, legal structures, where everything is on a on a almost like a what you would find with like an SEC disclosure. It's it's really good. And they also talk about uh, market performance as well too, about like what the uh, volatility is and how they perform. And uh, it's it's the most in depth report that you're going to find, and and we recommend it here at Leviathan, and it's in the show notes below. So um, happy to share that one. Awesome. Um, yeah, so let's get into the liquid restaking. So this is a uh, new phenomenon that's come from uh, Eigenlayer uh, specifically. Mm -hmm. And then there are a couple of follow-on projects as well too. Um, at a general level, uh, restaking essentially means that you are uh, essentially using your e-staking power uh, to add new uh, slashing conditions to it uh, so that you can programmatically uh, guarantee the security of other applications that are not connected to uh, the, the, just other applications, other middleware applications. And this could be oracles, this could be uh, I, I, oh, it could be an alarm clock, right? <laughs> it could, it, honestly, it could be anything. But yeah. uh, the, the liquid restaking provides a way for the individual uh, node operators and the validators uh, to earn an extra yield on top. Uh, by adding these new slashing conditions in. So um, how did you guys decide to uh, make waves and pursue this as a strategy for EtherFi? Yeah, you know, um, when when the announcement of Eigenlayer came out and we were kind of like talking more and more about it, like we just saw it as such like a clear path of, of where the, the mark was going. And so like restaking is very much in its infancy, right? Like there's actually no restaking going on right now. Um, like if you're restaking with eigenlayer right now you're just sitting in an eigenpod earning points um and so uh but but we think uh, like restaking has potential to be the biggest thing on ethereum since ethereum right like i think there's there's just massive massive potential there's still a ton of risk and a ton of work to be done mm -hmm. um so but for us it's pretty low risk right now we will we'll, you know put the eth in these eigenpods 
um, and, and start to collect you know points for those, and then we'll distribute any rewards that, that get uh, sent out to, to our users. Uh, the biggest thing for us is that our users can maintain their composability in DeFi, um, where like our ETH and STETH, like they're going into these eigenpods that have caps on them, but then they lose their composability within DeFi. Um, so you're just like locking up your your ETH for however long, where that doesn't happen with us. Um, so th that's our biggest differentiation. I think um, BlockSwap is doing a lot of cool stuff with Resaking too. So like um, we're going to work closely with them. Um, we're actually going to work on building some stuff out um, on Resaking. But Resaking is going to be like fascinating. Um, I think over the the next like where stuff is restaked, how it's allocated. Um, like in my head, I almost have like this vision of. Uh, you know, like if you have a 401k, if you're in the U.S. and you have a 401k or whatever, you can like select your plan of like high risk, low risk, you know, whatever it is. And I, I kind of think something similar is going to happen, um, you know, with restaking of like, hey, I, I can take tons of risk and you're going to get like much more rewards. Uh, but I think slashing is going to come into play and people are going to get, you know, burned a, a couple of times. Like there will certainly be, be bumps along the way, um, but it's super exciting stuff to happen. I think uh, we'll play a huge role in the ecosystem. So is the is the protocol as a whole determining what to allocate the ETH security budget towards, or can people who are running uh, individual solo validators choose? I, I, like, how is that all wrapped in, right? Because like, mm. there's no way that you can issue like a single token when like a single liquid restaking token if you have validators which have a million different slashing conditions across yeah. every single uh, validator that they have, right? Like it, it's, it, it, there's no way to manage that risk, I don't think, uh, in, unless you're essentially moving the protocol as an entire whole saying like, we're, we're all going to be supporting these four, uh, I don't know, what do they call the eigenlayer apps that sit on top? Um, uh, the eigenpods? Eigenpots, yeah. So, like, how do we choose? How do we choose which eigenpots? Is it is it on an individual basis, or is this it like a, a protocol voting function? Yeah. So over time, it'll go to governance. Um, like, we, we will. It, it'll be like a vote um, through governance. But uh, you know, for now, it's like we're just kind of pointing them there. What's unique about us is each individual thirty-two ETH validator has its, its own withdrawal address, where most liquid staking protocols have a pool of ETH. And there's one withdrawal address that is, that is pointed there. So like we are able to kind of batch these things and do it. As a solo staker, if you're doing solo staking, um, you can set your withdrawal credentials, you know, kind of where you'd like um, on it. You can also have us, us do it as well. But um, if you're a solo staker running your own 32 ETH validator, you can do it yourself. Okay. So the the uh, the individual eigenpods are, will be chosen at like the, the protocol governance level, right? Like Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so that will that will uh, equalize the risk across all the validators that are taking part. Uh, and so if there is any slashing that takes place, everybody gets slashed at the same at the same time. Uh, not yeah, that, that's right. And, and like we'll have insurance in there for slashing and stuff too. So like you know mm -hmm. we're gonna make sure that we do mitigation um, on these things. And then, uh, but yeah, but certainly there's there's some things that can um, pop up. It, it, there's so many unknowns, right? Like. Uh, I think over the next several months, seeing what eigenlayer rolls out will be super, super interesting. So can you talk about the relationship? Like, have you been uh, working with them? Uh, like what, what goes into uh, building out a liquid restaking uh, protocol for eigenlayer? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we are close with the Eigenlayer team. They very much like don't want to play favorites in the space, right? So like they're they're trying to say like agnostic, which is I think smart and, and good. Um, we met Sriram at Eat Denver uh, this year, earlier this year when we were launching our protocol, and so uh, we kind of talked to him then about like what we were doing. I mean, that you know, we personally think that native staked ETH is super super um, important, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I think Streetroom holds holds some of those the same thoughts, but uh, they don't want to, you know, specifically like favor any protocol. Um, so we, uh, you know, Bree and Calvin and the team over there, they're awesome. Um, we've, uh, you know, we've done a little bit of co-marketing with them um, and we're working closely like with their smart contract team to, to integrate there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is, like super uh, close relationship, but um, uh, you know, they want to make sure that they can kind of stay agnostic and not play favorites as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in the uh, like DeFi applications that are going to get built out for these liquid restake tokens because, like in theory, you can there's there's new systems that you can build to monitor the risk conditions at the consensus layer. Uh, on on flywheel we spoke with ion protocol i think last month okay and uh, they're building this like zkml risk engine that that yeah. that everybody's risk con risk conditions and then they build like lending rate and then they like adjust their rates uh for any liquid restake token like for e if either of i have has one or if uh any other protocol has one they can look at all the slashing conditions in those uh, specific tokens individually and then offer uh, borrowing um, and have it be liquid as well too, because they're they're not monitoring the price at the execution or at the um, application layer, execution layer. Uh, it's all done at the consensus consensus layer. So yeah, yeah. The uh, Ion team's uh, super smart and super sharp. Um, yeah. is a uh, is pretty sharp guy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, what does it mean for like solo stakers then, uh, as you guys move into this this uh, new uh strategy right uh i know that when you guys came out uh you're you're pushing hard towards uh having a uh like solo staker model where anybody could come along and uh, plug in their validator and have uh i, I think somewhat similar mechanics to rpl but with no token attached on top which is always great because you know the rpl token is highly volatile and uh it's a it's a big portion of the bond that has to be added um, mm -hmm. so, there's increased efficiency in uh, a, a tokenless model. Yeah, solo stakers are is always going to be like super important for us. Like we just think it really helps like with decentralization, and so finding good on ramps for that is is the most important thing. So there's there's new technology that's out that has kind of made this a reality, but there's some like growing pains as far as scale goes on that too. So you know we we have these solo stakers that are running machines now. Um, the it's just making sure that we can continue to integrate and, and scale. Um, so we're working closely with like you know several of the DBT providers and the hardware providers to to make it happen. But uh, solo staking is is going to be at our core for for a long time. We just think it's super super important um, and it's something that Rocket Pool has done a really good job of as well. Just like kind of uh, building a great community of um, uh, you know people out there. Um, so we, as as chief revenue officer, how does Etherfy 
uh, generate revenue for? Yeah, good question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so the liquid staking protocols they charge ten percent, so they take ten percent of the rewards. Five percent goes to, to uh, the, the node operator, and then five percent goes to the um, protocol. So so that's how um, that's how we make money. I think that there's going to be like other. Like, so we, we've done other things where people have to like like pay mint fees for like this Etherfan product that we've we've done, and mm-hmm. um, we we actually share back all the revenues, but. Uh, you know, we're, we're consistently figuring out like different ways that, that we can do it. I think monetizing, like very few crypto companies think about monetization. You know, it's it's more like this, like, you know, pump the top line thing, get users and stuff. But like in order for this to exist in the long term, like you got to find ways to make money. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're we're trying to think of that like from the start. Um, so. It's why we like staking. Like, there's a very clear revenue model. Now, to make a lot of money staking, you need just incredible amounts of stake. Um, like five percent of five percent is not going to get us anywhere. Right. Um, but at least it gives you like a, a little baseline to get get the flywheel going. Yeah, of course. I mean, we see this over at Frax as well too. And just that you know, you you really have to get to scale. It needs to be in like the millions of. You need to get to totally. millions, right? Uh, yep. Because even at a million ETH, I mean, you're looking at like, let's say we go to. 10,000 at a million ETH, we're talking about $10 billion there of, of capital. Uh, there's probably 3%, 4% at a mature state for the yield that's being paid out then. So what is that, like 300 million? And you're getting, I don't know, what, like 5% of that. So that's like 60, is that 60 million? I think it's about 60 million, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. Um, but at, at, at scale with the ETH at a high number, it's probably like $6 million a year. And, and, that's, and that's being a, a large incumbent as well too. Um, totally. Yeah. But I, I do think it's healthy. I mean, like one of the things that I hope we do get more of is uh, just better, more client diversity. Uh, I think that, you know, Lido had a really good head start. Uh, and, you know, we didn't see a ton of other projects enter the space until later into uh, the like LSD development. Like as we were getting closer, even as you're we getting closer to the merge, it was mostly even like post merge, right? That we really saw yeah. a. Uh, a whole host, right? So pre-merge, we had like Lido, Rocket Pool, and Frax. And then post-merge, we've seen a ton more of people who are trying to integrate with uh, like Flashbots and work in like MEV Boost uh, stuff. Uh, the liquid restaking is becoming a growing narrative as well too. And um, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of other variations that we're going to see over the next few years. Totally. I think, yeah, education on space, like in, in providing different options for people is going to be super important, right? Like, but I think you need to be differentiated. If you're just like, you know, providing like liquid staking, I mean, the depth that Lido has, the liquidity that Lido has, like, it's very tough to catch up to. So I think that, um, you know, you got to educate people on different things. And uh, I think different options is, is, is super good. It's super healthy to have that, right? I, I don't think it's going to be a winner take all market. Um, uh, but it'll evolve, right? Yeah. Like, so, so it, it's with the, uh, you guys are like built into the Avados, right? The, uh, so Avado and Datnode are just two of the hardware, um, mm-hmm. like nodes that, that run with us. Um, yeah. So those are two of the people that we partner with. I actually have an Avado machine. I need to go plug it in at some point. I've moved around a little oh, bit. Oh, there you and, go. Yeah. Uh, you should but... run some stake for us should yeah uh, there you go it, and you get the five percent of rewards so is it just that i run the node and then i can borrow the eth from the etherify pool or how does it work yeah that's right yep so because of our mechanism of the, the um 
where the staker holds the withdrawal keys, mm-hmm. um, the we're allowed, like we're able to, um, there's like some technical things that happen, but basically like distribute these nodes to, um, uh, to be run on, on a variety of different, like of these solo staking machines. Um, because we have access to like withdraw the eighth and so like you just mitigate your risk like if someone's a bad actor like we can just pull the validator um you know at any point on that yeah so the avada machines are around a thousand dollars for the cheapest one uh they go up a little bit as the uh if you want to run more validators so like the cheapest one will do like one eth validator but if you have more than 32 eth you probably should be picking up a like an i7 or an r9 uh, also dapno makes a nice product as well too um and yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure you just, it, it's in the Avado software. Uh, so when you like turn it on and plug it in and it's really easy to do so, you just plug it in and then you just have yep. the ETH, you can connect to you guys. Uh, and like, what's the minimum, what's the minimum stake to be able to, um, uh, to, to borrow the ETH? And- yeah, you actually, you, you don't have to, you just um, apply to our solo staker program and then mm-hmm. we will like just contact you and say, hey, like you've been selected. Uh, you actually don't have to put anything up. Um, you just run the node. Oh, so um, yeah, there's nothing you have to put up. That's cool. Uh, yeah. That's really nice actually. I that, Because, I so what, how does, um, hmm. So like, what are the risks for that though? Because I, I know that with uh, the- For you is the, the node operator? Or for like the stakers through EtherFi, like in their EE. Yeah, the people who are staking, right? Yeah. So uh, the, the biggest issue is like slashing, right? Like if someone goes down. Mm-hmm. But so DBT allows us to distributed validator, validator technology allows a set of node operators to be in there, and only a certain amount of them have to validate. Yeah. Um, and so it just allows. Uh, it's one of the new technologies that has just kind of made this a reality. Um, so yeah. Uh, I, no, I was talking about the risks of like the 32 ETH. I guess it's you have to install specific stuff software for the for the uh, validator that uh, where the EtherFi protocol controls the withdrawal keys, right? Um, so you, if you're going to eject that that ETH, it goes back to the EtherFi wallet, right? It, yeah, but it's not necessarily your ETH, right? Like that's that's um, like th- that's running on there. It's not your ETH that is running on that machine, like. Mm. Um, now, if you were, you could, you can use the machine to spin up your own ETH, but if you're coming through the ether, like if you're a solo staker for the ether five protocol, mm-hmm. the ETH is sent to you and put on like the, the, you know, it's, it's encrypted, sharded and sent over to you. So, um, but, there's but no you, real risk, but the I, risk I, is really on the protocol side that yeah, um, yeah. you guys, you know, the, the, the node operators like act poorly and or whatever, like, and you know, we get slashed and whatever, but that's, if, if there's poor actors, we have like alerting systems and then we can just withdraw the ether before. So I, I do think solo staking is going to be massive. Like Lido is actually running a solo staking program now. Um, so there, there's been a people, a couple of people that like followed us, which is, uh, it's flattering, I guess that it's kind of a good idea in, in doing it. So, uh, so in, is there any like liquid part? Like, is there an actual, uh, like liquid token that gets issued out for the ether fires or is it just solo staking right now? Yeah, no, the, so the, the liquid staking tokens coming out in three weeks. Um, so middle of November, uh, ETH, so um we'll be out there and out in the wild so uh should be good are you guys going to be uh taking part in curve wars at all are you going to be acquiring any like cvx crv you know we've we've talked about it um it could be something we do kind of down the line here um so it's liquidity strategies are so interesting i think uh and kind of how you go to market with this stuff so 
Um, just to start, like we've, we've partnered with some really good people. We're going to do some liquidity pools, you know, Balancer, Aura, uh, Uniswap. Um, we'll just build up some stuff through there and, and some great partners. And then uh, we'll just keep uh, kind of running from there. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'd all like to see you go to, to Curve uh, if possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, all right. we're, we're all Curve Maxis here, so. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, very cool. Um, Garrett, DeFi Advisor, I'm, I know I was asking all the questions, but I'll, I'll let you guys help in if you guys have anything. I I'm good. Thanks for joining. Minutes too. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I yeah, yeah, we can wrap it. Yeah, no problem. Well, let's wrap up. Uh, Rock, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate the introduction to uh, EtherFi and the upcoming news about the liquid restaking. Um, where can people find you and uh, more information about EtherFi? Yeah, so ether.fi is our website. Um, we have a whitelist that is open right now, so go there to sign up. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to get access to... Uh, ETH, which is the liquid staking token that's coming out. Um, uh, all of our socials are on there uh, as well. Um, I'm at Copnose on Twitter. Uh, so you'll see me if, if you kind of come in any of our discords or, uh, or telegrams or whatnot. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate Sam and the team for, for having me on. And uh, it was great chatting with you guys. And uh, would love to, to continue to stay in touch here. Awesome. Great. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we will see you tomorrow for Wag Me from Unsheath, who is coming. Unsheath. There we go. We know yeah. Wag Me. There yeah. we go. Uh, so they'll be here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Sounds good. Cheers. Bye.